Hey friends, it's Coley. You might be wondering, where is the music? For a moment, imagine a podcast episode without music. Boring, right? It adds to the experience. And I am so thankful for my friend, folk indie artist Gabrielle Grace. Every episode of season four of Still With You, she shares her song, Will Be Alright, from her latest EP. I am so excited to be partnering with her and announcing a new project that she is working on right now, releasing a new album. There are two sides to everything. Gabrielle is hosting a Kickstarter campaign to help fund this project and she would love to have your support there are only a few weeks left on the kickstarter campaign and it would be so much fun if we could close the gap together i cannot wait to hear this new record gabrielle grace is an incredible artist a dear friend i am honored every week of still with you to share her music i hope you all connect with her online her handle is gabrielle grace on social media and you can visit her website to give and support the kickstarter campaign at gabrielgracemusic.net. Let's go ahead and spin the theme song for Still With You this season, We'll Be Alright by Gabrielle Grace. Hey friends, it's Coley. Welcome to another episode of Still With You. I'm so happy that you're here. Last week on the pod, we talked about coffee. Today, we are continuing that pattern, brewing up some important conversation about breaking stereotypes. Have you ever formed a preconceived notion and later learned what you had believed was far from the truth? Perhaps you've experienced prejudice firsthand and are weary from being wrapped in hurtful blanket statements. Culture creates its own assumptions or half-truths that we call stereotypes that can easily make its way into our lives and control the way we perceive ourselves and others. Yet even while walking through shattered glass ceilings, it is still easy to struggle with finding your identity. Author and speaker Simi John was seven years old when she and her family moved from India to Dallas, Texas. She grew up attending weekly church services with her family and loved learning from the Word of God. Simi placed her relationship with God above all else, and when she felt led to share the good news of Jesus with others, she was met with a resounding no. The leaders of her church where she was raised discouraged her from preaching the word of God simply because she was a woman. Yet rather than carrying spiritual and emotional scars of being mislabeled and blocked out from using her voice, Simi found refuge in scripture. She found healing by intently studying what the Bible says about women. And from this wrote her first book, I Am Not, Break Free from Stereotypes and Become the Woman God Made You to Be. Today, Simi and her husband Jason lead New Life Bible Church in Norman, Oklahoma, where she is passionate about preaching the word of God. Simi loves to empower and encourage women to walk in their true identity and live out their purpose. She is never shy to share her story, nor pass the megaphone for others to own. I am not. I connected with Simi through a mutual friend, Courtney Hope Wilson, who you all know and love from being on the show. And that is my hope once you you listen to this episode, you invite another friend to connect with Simi. She is someone who you want in your corner, encouraging and supporting you. It is a real honor to welcome to Still With You author and speaker, Simi John. I feel like I should like have the tagline of like Simi John cheering you on. Like that needs to be a t-shirt. I'm telling you. (laughs) I love doing that and seeing women really pursue their passion. As a girl, like I felt like I couldn't. Um, And so being 
here in my life and like I'm 37 years old and knowing that the reason I'm able to do that is because I was able to do all the things I did is because someone paved the way, whether they knew it or not. Now I want to do that for other women. I have a daughter. And so I want to be able to cheer other women on because they're going to pave the way for my daughter. And speaking of paving the way, I cannot believe you have a direct connection with the Apostle Thomas. Yeah. Do you ever just wake up and think, wow, the Bible is like running through my blood, basically? Yeah, it's incredible because for my family, it's crazy because it is a story of restoration because of that. That's why I shared in my video. What is really cool about my testimony is that it is all about church planting. My great, 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 great grandfather happened to be a convert when Thomas came and shared the gospel message because of his passion in the midst of persecution to step out and help plant this church and to see where my life is right now, being a pastor's wife, my brother, who is a campus pastor at a local church here in Oklahoma City, my dad, who became an evangelist, to see that it's kind of like God had a plan. And there's so many things that happened in my dad's life and even his father's life that took them away from that love for the church. And it was a lot of abuse and addiction that tore them away from having a relationship with God and just religiosity uh, and like more like a, a tradition. And it became like Thomas, you know, came to our family and all this stuff. And it became a pride thing and really not a relationship with Jesus thing anymore. And to see how God restored that as God pulled my dad of addiction and really transformed his life from being an abusive husband to my mom and seeing him radically love Jesus with this abandon where he's like, man, I'm going to quit my job as a chef. And my dad was a successful chef at a five-star hotel in Dallas, Texas. He's worked all over the Middle East. And for him to say, I can't work there and not struggle with addiction because there's alcoholism everywhere. I have to step away from that. For him to say, this is how much Jesus means to me. This is how much God has radically changed my life. I'm going to have to give up my career. I'm going to have to give up the thing that I love that has sustained my family for so long, my income, my safety, and walk away from that and go all over the world and baptize people. For me, seeing that is what radically made me love Jesus and trust God's word because I was like, this thing is real. Church is real because it was a local church that came and prayed for my dad and my family so he can break that addiction, shared the gospel with my dad and my family. And to really just know that the word of God is real, like miracles happen. My dad was a real life miracle story that happened before my very eyes. I still remember this pastor coming to our restaurant. My dad had a restaurant at the time. My dad was saved. He gave his life to Jesus, but he still struggled with addiction and he was honest about it. And he said, pastor, I just want to stop drinking, but I don't know how to. The pastor asked my mom to bring a glass of water and I was 13. My brother's like 10 and we're just standing back watching all this. And he prayed over that glass of water. And he said, we're just going to pray for that chain of addiction to be set free. And he prayed over that glass of water. My dad drank that glass of water and he was healed and set free. Oh my gosh. Never saw my dad drink alcohol again. Come on. And that moment for me, as I look back on my life was the moment where I was like, this is not religion. Yeah. This is not a tradition. This is 
life. This is abundant life. And I just fell in love with Jesus and I fell in love with the church and God's word. And that's what really put me and propelled me into my calling as really someone who wants to share the gospel message and teach God's word to other people. That's incredible. Like, I don't know how you can share that story without feeling like your heart's about to explode. Like me just listening to it. I'm like, God is so good. When you go to the Bible every day, is it different because you have such a direct connection with where you talked about it, that a local church came and Mm -hmm. supported your father on his road to healing. And then Apostle Thomas came to your grandfather. Do you feel like deeply connected almost where it's like looking back like a family book? What's it like for us to look at the Bible like that rather than just a reference? You have to be intentional in looking back. I feel like it's human nature to forget, human nature to be so wrapped up in what is going on in our lives right now, the problems and the obstacles and the daily stresses, or even the good things and be wrapped up in ourselves. That if we're not intentional to look at God and his faithfulness, that we forget those things. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I have to intentionally remember when I read those verses that God, that he is my good shepherd. I have to look back and see the way he has been my good shepherd. As I am standing at church and singing songs, he's been too good for me not to believe. I remember how God set my dad free and how he has opened every door for me. And I remember how he came through for me. And if we're not intentional, we will forget. And that's why even the Old Testament God tells the children of Israel to set up altars so they can remember. He teaches them to teach and talk about him to their children as they're laying down, as they're sitting, as they're walking. Like put my word all around you because God knows that we have this tendency to be forgetful and have this spiritual amnesia of how good God was last week, how good he was last month, what God did for us last year. And so if we're not intentional, no matter how great our testimony is how powerful it is we will forget because we live in a world where you know we we have a narrow mindset and we have this finite you know perspective and so it's easy for us to be like the disciples right who saw Jesus do all these miracles and then be like Jesus, there's a storm coming. Don't you care? You know, he's, I just fed 5,000 people out of nothing. Like, you know, why are you doubting? So he knows that is the human nature. So we have to be intentional, no matter who we are. We can be a pastor. We can be a pastor's wife. We can be, you know, a new believer. But we still have to be intentional when we read the Bible and sing songs in worship to focus our mind and fix our eyes on Jesus and to remember his goodness. It's amazing. I've been reading the book of Joshua all throughout the year and all of our friends listening know this because I've been calling it my Joshua year and how they build the altar in the middle of the river and stack the stones. And and honestly, I wasn't even expecting to talk about this with you today, but I love that we're here. And one of the questions that I have, because you mentioned like we're forgetful people and of course, like it is that fixing our eyes on the Lord. But do you think, is there anything that you do personally in your life where you have a Joshua moment where you're like, you know, I am going to do this as a physical representation or as a symbolic. Do you have anything like that? Because I think sometimes we need like a physical reminder 
Yeah, I think journaling is really good. Um, I think writing down the prayers that have been answered. What I like to do is I will share it. I will talk about it. I'm a physical therapist. And so I go to work and I meet different people all day long and we'll talk about it. I'll talk to my patients about it. I'll talk to my kids about it in a way they understand at their level. And the reason I talk about it is sometimes we have to hear it over and over again for us to remember that God is big, that God is good to us. Not just God is God good broadly to the world, but he's good to me. He's close to me. He's yeah. intimately, you know, involved in my life. And I think we forget to talk about God's goodness so often uh, because we're shy about it. Uh, we think maybe it's prideful to talk about it. We think, well, what if God doesn't come through next time? And, you know, whatever, you know, the Bible tells us that we overcome by the word of our testimony. And so we have to share yes. God's goodness and actually speak and talk to other people about it because it strengthens their faith. And so many times I'll even share with people around me a song that I heard. I had a patient that came in and she was um, just overwhelmed by the diagnosis that she was facing and all the struggles that she was going through physically. And I, I, I knew she was a believer. And I immediately told her, I was like, take out your phone and I want you to listen to this song and I'm going to go grab something while you listen to this song. And I came back and she was weeping and I called to check in on her a couple of days later. I was about to hang up the phone. She said, Simeon, I want you to know I'm, I've been listening to that song every day and that has given me strength. Oh, I love and that. And so sometimes, you know, when we hear a verse or a song, we might think it's just for us, but when we speak and we share about it with other people, it strengthens them because this world, this life is not just about us, yeah. right? It's not just about me and my happiness and my you know, future. It's about the people that are around me, that are in front of me, that God places. And when I yeah. talk about what God is doing and what God has done, he strengthened me through this song. It can strengthen somebody else. So I think more than anything else, something that we can all do is talk about it. Talk about God, what God did in your life with your friend as you meet them. And it might be something they need to hear today or next week, but you talk about it in faith and God will do the work. But isn't it interesting that you present the idea of talking about it and it is without a doubt like the emblem and the banner that you carry is that we have to share. And it comes from you with a story where for so long you were told to not speak and your voice was, mm -hmm. um, I don't know if silence is the word you use, but basically it wasn't as appreciated and encouraged like it could have been. So what is that? like to be on the other side of overcoming stereotypes, overcoming, I don't know if, if do you use the word like oppressed? Like, Cause it feels like, you know, that again, like your voice was blocked by yeah. friends in the church. Help me use the language. Cause I know that I don't want to tell your story for sure, but it's so amazing that how God would use like that again, like that's your heart is for people to know that they're allowed to share that, that they have full permission. You know, coming from an Indian culture, I was born in India. It's an Asian country where women are not seen as first class citizens. They're like second class and you don't matter. Your voice is not important. You're a burden. Um, luckily for me, I grew up in a house where my parents were not 
like that. You know, my dad was like, hey, do whatever you want, you know, and I was encouraged to do the things, even though culture and even the Indian church I grew up in told me otherwise. And so for me at a young age, as I would study God's word, I would feel the Holy Spirit reveal truths to me from scripture. And I thought it was normal. You know, I was just like, oh, everybody's probably getting this. And as I talked to other people, I was like, no, this is, this is special. This is a gift. This is the Holy Spirit. This is not just me. I went to my dad and he was just like, write down all the things that God, you know, God is revealing to you. I love that. And I went and told one of the elders in my church, who was also my Sunday school teacher, I feel led to speak, you know, and share. How old were you at that time? I think I was like 17. Okay. And um, they, they were just immediately like, well, you can't do that. You're a girl. I grew up in a church where you can't be on stage if you're a girl by yourself. There has to be a guy on stage type of thing. Um, and there's still churches in the South that are like that, you know, where women can't speak. I didn't understand it. And I was just like, I don't see that in scripture. I see Jesus stopping and talking to a Samaritan woman. And that is the longest scripture, I mean, lo- longest conversation in scripture. And Jesus stopped going to Jairus's daughter who was dying and had this woman uh, who was sick share her testimony in front of the entire crowd. So how are you saying that my Mm -hmm. voice doesn't matter and I shouldn't speak? It doesn't make sense to me. Right. The fact that he arose from the grave in the first words he says is to women. To go and tell, like to speak, right? And so to men, to share the share the good news. And so for me, I didn't understand it, but I went to a church where I was like, okay, that's the authority over me. So I have to maybe, you know, they know more than me. They're older than me. And I was honestly really just angry at my culture. I was mad that God made me Indian, that mm-hmm. God placed me in Indian church in the South. I was mad that God made me a girl because I was like, God gave me this gift. God gave me a passion that I can never live out. Why would he do that? And I went to uh, college and I went to Texas Women's University in Denton. Everyone that goes there has to take this elective called Women's Studies. One of the things that we have to do is we have to read this book and it's about women's history and how women were looked in different uh, areas in life. And one was about how women were oppressed by the church, by Christianity, by religion. And I was like, I mean, this is my story. This is my life. Absolutely. I can write on this all day. And uh, the Holy Spirit was like, no, you can't write about what you feel or your experience. You have to look at what I say in my word before you write this. And that's when God started really showing me through scripture that God chooses women. God redeemed the way the Jewish system looked at women, that Jesus was for women. Yes. That changed my perspective. That's a paper that I'm proud of more than any paper ever written because that changed everything for me because it gave me my passion back. It made me understand that God did call me and it wasn't an accident. God made me an Indian American woman and placed me in in, in Indian church, gave me a unique voice. It is for his purpose and for his glory. He gave me opportunities and doors began to open for me in small platforms and larger platforms. One of the things that I, I heard over and over again is to be faithful right now. 
don't wait and store up everything. Use whatever's in front of you. I think sometimes in our culture, we hear this phrase, make big moves, right? Like do big <laughs> yes. things. That's a matter. And it, it's a big trap because we feel like what the small things are not important, but the Bible doesn't say that. That's not God's heart. Jesus says the kingdom is like a mustard seed, like something tiny, something small. God does not despise small beginnings. Right. But he sees us doing small things and starting small and it, it delights him. According to scripture, what I started doing was I started just sharing stuff on Instagram, on Facebook. I started a YouTube channel. You're so good at it. It's amazing. <laughs> yes, I love it. I've told you that I've binge watched your videos. And I think it's so interesting that you started with food. Why yeah. did you start with food? And that's the thing, God. It's just like God slowly started developing my strengths and started opening doors for me. So my dad, like I said, was a chef. I watch all cooking shows. Like I absolutely love them. And there was this competition that was happening. And my dad was like, you should totally do it. You can, we can do, you know, my curry recipe and blah, blah, blah. And so I did it. And I was like the finalist for my state. Like it's really well done. I want them to hear you talk about Jesus, but if they want to hear how to improve their kitchen skills, those videos are incredible. You want Indian recipes. <laughs> and my brother was like, you know, he did audio video as his minor in college. And so he makes commercials. So he had all the equipment. Whenever I was the finalist, they reached out to me and they said, Hey, do you have a YouTube channel? Do you have any place we can send people to get more recipes? And I was like, no, no. Like, can you create something? And so my dad was like, yeah, let's do a few more. And my, I, we started getting together and making these videos. And that's how it really started. And I realized I like speaking to a camera. Like, I feel like I connect with people. Um, and it's crazy because when I was in high school, the first thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to be a news anchor. I could so see it. Yes. It's like full circle, right? Because uh, my mom was like, you know, there are no Indian women on TV, Simi. Like, you can't be a news anchor. Go into healthcare. You'll get a job. And I was like, she's right. You know, I can't deny the fact there wasn't any representation at that time. That breaks my heart when I hear phrases like that, though. Like, I mean, just to break that down, I mean, you can say it in passing, like casually, but the fact that like that was something that was on your heart and in your gifting and the reality that your mom had to break it to you, that that was something that might not be available to you. That is heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. I think for me as a kid, being an immigrant, seeing the sacrifices my parents had made to come to America and be uncomfortable, because we had a, a great life in India. And so to come and be uncomfortable and to work hard and do all those things, yeah. I, I knew she was coming from a place of love and a place of care like hey I want a good life for you and so I knew where it was coming from so I didn't really argue with her because at that time when I looked around I had to also be realistic because I was entering my senior year in high school and I had to make a choice and when I looked around, every Indian person I knew was either in healthcare or IT. And it was a stereotypical jobs, right? That Indian people had. But I was just like, who am I to break the mold? I'm not going to like sacrifice my life because my parents had already sacrificed so much for me. So I can't take that risk. Yeah. Uh, and I'm grateful now that as I 
look uh, at the world and especially here in America, I see so many women who are doing amazing things. I see women, Indian women who are news anchors and on TV and, you know, in cooking and doing all these things. And I can look at them and show my daughter like, Hey, look, I don't have to say what my mom said to me, but I can tell my daughter like, okay, pick what you want. Dream big. Uh, I don't have to limit her dreams and say, no, no, no. These are the only jobs. These are the only things that you can dream because of the color of your skin or because of where you're from. And you don't have to answer this, but do you ever look at that and just think like, man, like that should have been me. Do you ever get jealous or not jealous, but in a way of it's still painful. Yeah. I, I think there are times when I'm like, what if, what if I did choose that? I, I, I joke and I always say if I wasn't Indian, I probably would have went into something else other than healthcare. And I, I mean, I say that as a person who has been a physical therapist yeah. for 11 years, and I absolutely love it. 2020 has been hard as a healthcare worker, I will admit that there are times where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't I can't do this anymore. But for the majority of my career, I have loved it is very fully satisfying to me. But there are times when I do wonder, you know, if I wasn't Indian, I don't think I would have been in healthcare. I think I would have done something more in the creative field because I am naturally more creative. After I got married, I started a makeup business where I did bridal makeup. Oh my gosh, you're so diverse. That is amazing. Like we got cooking, speaking, like that's amazing. <laughs> I love artsy stuff. And so I think I would have definitely went the creative route, but I wasn't ever allowed to think or dream that way. Not because my parents were like, they would let me do that as a hobby, but they would never let me choose that as a career path. God's opening these doors for you and speaking large and small platforms and you're just bravely moving forward. How did you know that specifically talking about stereotypes and women in the Bible, how did you know that that was what God wanted you to write about when you wrote, I am not your first book? That's a really good question. So I never, I was not one of those people that was like, I want to be a writer. I want to write a book. I don't like writing. Like I'm a speaker. That's very natural for me. I connect with people when I speak. And so when I think it was in 2019, God started really breaking my heart for women who were struggling with their identity. Because as a pastor's wife, I saw so many women who would come to the altar and who would sing songs about their identity on Sunday mornings, but struggle with it by Wednesday and not know who they are over and over again, like a vicious cycle. And I I always struggle with my identity being American and Indian and being a third culture kid. And so it was a part of my heart that was kind of like being open and God was just like doing some work in me. And as I began to really pray for these women, God started just showing me through scripture. I mean, literally just word for word, the things that I wrote in my book were coming, being downloaded in my spirit. I did on my notes app. I would, um, you know, put it on my little, anytime I had a break, I would write down all these things that God was putting in my heart. And I was going to actually make a video series. I talked to somebody and I was like, Hey, I wonder if I should write it or if I should do like a video series. And they were like, pull, pull your audience on Instagram. I was like, okay. And I really thought everyone's going to say video because I love watching videos and listening to podcasts. I don't, I don't have a lot of time to read. So I was like, okay, uh -huh. but everyone wanted a devotional. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, okay, God, 
this is good. I'll probably do yeah. it like in my forties when my kids are big. I have a full-time job. I'm a pastor's wife. I have two little kids. I don't have time to write a book right now because writing is hard. It takes a lot of work to do all that stuff. And so I put it off. And then I went to a conference in Dallas. And actually before that, I was actually walking around my neighborhood and I was just like, um, there's like this newer edition that was being built in our neighborhood. This is in Oklahoma? Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. And I was like, just walking around, you know, for exercise. And I was just praying and listening to worship music. And there was just one house that was being built. And every time I'd walk past that house, something would stop huh. me. And I just looked and I'm like, what well, did something move? Like, why did I stop? And it kept happening. And that's when I was like, okay, I think God's trying to tell me something. So I was like, just praying, God, what are you trying to show me? Nothing. I went home that night. I was like, God, what were you trying to show me? Nothing. And then a couple of weeks later, I go to this conference in Dallas and I'm there. And after the message, there was like a time of prayer and everyone's just standing there just playing music. And immediately I hear this voice in my spirit saying, you are that house. And I get the picture of that house in my mind. I began to weep and because I wasn't even thinking about it. And then I sat down and I began to hear the Holy Spirit kind of keep talking to me. And he said, you are that house and I am building you beam by beam, brick by brick. And you are going to be a shelter, a safe place for women who are hungry, who are naked, who are desperate. And I knew that this message that God was putting in my heart was important and it wasn't going to be about me. Like it wasn't going to be when my life was comfortable and I had time and convenience to do it, but this is a message that God needed out now. And I went home and I started seriously just writing it down, compiling it all. And God just started opening doors for me to get it edited and printed and all this kind of stuff. It was a message that I feel like not just Christian women, but women all over need to hear. Right. Yes. So I feel like it's a great outreach, you know, like women of all ages, women of all cultures. This is not just Mm -hmm. specific to American culture or Indian culture. This is like every woman everywhere dealt with these things. And I I write about eight different stereotypes and I look at eight different women in the Bible who struggled with these same things, right? Because sometimes we think, oh, you know, like women of the Bible don't know like how it is. And I specifically chose women who are mentioned by name because they are clearly important that they're mentioned by name but they struggled too yeah they struggled with gossip they struggled with you know things that we struggle with comparison with things being with the culture saying you're too emotional and I write about those things and how in light of that how we can become who God designed us to because a lot of times when we are living in this world where there's so many messages through media and that's what stereotypes are right their stereotypes are just beliefs that are so ingrained into society and culture that we just live into that narrative without knowing it like we watch tv and women are emotional women are drama queens and so there's a part of us that think well i'm not gossiping all women bend all women do this this is a part of being a woman right and It doesn't have to be that way. And it doesn't have to be that way when I, as a woman, look at the way Jesus designed women to be through scripture and I live differently. So when my my daughter sees me, I want her to be like, well, I've never heard my mom gossip. So all women are not gossips. Mm -hmm. I've never seen my mom do that. So I, and so I pave a different path for my daughter and I change the narrative that society and culture says by living differently. You mentioned your daughter. And I think that's like a great example of like, how do we teach someone like 
hey, this is a pattern that sometimes happens, but with educating them of like and warning them that this could happen, but without falling into saying, hey, this is how it always happens. I mean, I've noticed that when you sometimes go to share something, it can easily be informed into blanket statements and that's not fair. The way we live is the best way to show what we ought to do. That's what the world needs so desperately. I think Christians have done so much talking, but not living like Jesus, that it's confusing to the world. We can preach all we want, but if we're not living like Jesus, the world is not listening to us. For my daughter, for my coworkers, for my neighbors, for my church members to see how they ought to live like Jesus designed us to be. I got to live like that. And that's hard. It is so much easier to preach from a stage. It's so much easier for me to create and curate a really nice caption on Instagram than for me to actually Mm -hmm. say, I'm not going to gossip about that person. Because it's so easy to sit with a group and be like, girl, let me tell you about her. We are the evidence that the stereotype does not exist. Attention all creatives. Do you need help editing text for your latest creative project? At the beginning of this year, I launched How to Podcast with Coley Browning, a fun, easy, and encouraging step-by-step guide to create and launch your own podcast today. While I had all of my ideas in place, I needed some extra assistance in making sure that my grammar was top-notch, and I could not have done it without the help of my friend, Raven Hunter. Raven provides copy editing for a variety of works from blog post to books. She loves using the skills she developed from her work at the Writing Lab for the University of West Florida, editing for the Kugelman Honors Program blog, Infinite Wisdom. If you're anything like me, I love working with a friend one-on-one to complete a project, and Raven was available the entire time. Supporting friends with small businesses and honoring their work as they walk in their calling is a true passion of mine, and I am so excited to connect you with my friend Raven Hunter for your next creative project. Communicate with Raven via Fiverr or email. All of the links will be in the show notes for you to find. Don't be afraid to invite a friend to help you with the details of your project. Contact Raven Hunter today. Links to communicate with her are in the show notes of this episode. The Olympics is going on and Simone Biles just pulled herself out and the whole world is kind of talking about it. And she she was leading the USA Olympic team, all these younger girls looking up to her. And for her, you know, I'm not an athlete. I have no athletic ability. We know that you have fixed the athletes. So I'm- Yes, I have worked with a lot of athletes. You're like the MVP in their world because you put them (laughs) back together. I will tell you, they put so much pressure on themselves than we can ever put on them. Like I have girls that, I mean, they have hip surgery, ankle, they don't care. I'm like, you cannot play. And they're like, I'm not letting my team down. They put so much pressure on themselves that I cannot even understand. I have to be like, this is your body. Don't worry about the team. Don't worry about everybody. You worry about your body. I can't imagine being her, being Simone and all the world's putting all this pressure and she's putting so much pressure on herself as a leader and being able 
to have the maturity to say, you know what, I am not strong enough. I'm going to walk away right now. And that's not a sign of weakness. The fact that you knew your limits and you're so in touch with listening to your body, that is the biggest sign of strength. Absolutely. That's something as a PT, I always tell people, listen to your body. I have a doctorate in physical therapy, but I don't have a doctorate in your body. Only you know your body. But beyond that, even as, you know, like being in the church world as a pastor, I see so many pastors, I see so many leaders who ought to recognize this is time for me to step back. I need to step away right now. But they are so unwilling to give up this kingdom they built, this brand that they created because of what people will say or because they're afraid they're going to lose everything, that they keep striving and straining. What God is just like, no, 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 no. You need to rest. You need to walk away. And in our culture, we've created this celebrity culture and we're putting people on pedestals where we are not allowing them to be human. And that's the worst thing we can do. Like even with Britney Spears, I'm just like the same people that are like free Britney are the, they're the same people who put her in a prison of performance and being perfect, idolizing her, making her the greatest. And so we want a king because we're human. That's the way God wired us. We are wired with this innate nature to worship and want a king. Only Jesus is the greatest of all. And when that worship goes to other people, not only are we harming ourselves because we're going to be disappointed because pastors, leaders, politicians, they're going to fail us. Athletes are going to fail us. They are also going to be left as failures, feeling disappointed because we're putting them in this place where they should never be of receiving our glory and uh, all the honor. They are going to ruin their lives. We are ruining their lives. And I think that's the danger of celebrity culture. That's the danger of us worshiping, elevating someone else to the status of greatest of all time. So I think we have to be really careful of that. I don't know how we got into this topic. I ran. No, it's so good. But I do have a question too, because I think that there are some people who've accidentally gone on the other side of being where they are put on pedestals, whether for an example, say that you are a fifth grade teacher and you have many children who are looking up to you and you have that influence. How do we handle that? And even more specifically, I've seen several times where someone can even base their career or their story based on a stereotype that they broke. Mm -hmm. Say, you know, that you started walking in your calling and realizing, oh, by doing this, I'm breaking all of these stereotypes that the world put on me. Perhaps a person's like, I didn't ask for this. Like, I just moved towards what I thought God called me to do. And then the fact that people are always like, oh, that's so amazing that you're doing that. This is, it's crazy. Oh, that's where you're from. Two questions. How do we handle the pressure? And then also, how do we handle the pressure of being in a place of a stereotype where we don't want to be? One thing is to stay humble. And, you know, that's hard to do when there's so many people praising you. I think knowing that all of it comes from God and it's all for God and reminding yourself of that is so important. When I am doing anything, I have to go back and say, that's really from God. That thought, that wisdom, that opportunity that I got to share, it's, it's from God. I have to remind myself that it's not about me. One of the greatest joys and privileges that I get to do is work with people from all over the world. And I have met people who have been all over the world and have spoken like so many languages, but they got one diagnosis and they can't speak at all. Wow. I've had people who had, you know, a stroke and lost 
everything. One car accident ruined their future. I say that it's a privilege to work with people like that because it keeps me humble knowing that everything can be taken away in a moment. Right. That if I live like this life is about me, then I really lose. But when if I yeah. live like this moment, this life is about the person in front of me that God is bringing, that this is a holy moment, that this is sacred ground that I'm standing on, then I get to be an ambassador. I get to be a representative. I get to be salt. I get to be light. I get to be all those things to point back to my father because then it's not not yeah. about me anymore because I know that this is all from God and I can lose all of this I just want to be faithful in what God has called me to be and take my position and serve love and live wherever God has placed me right now and if that is me being a mom to two little kids that nobody else is gonna see what I do here but I do it faithfully and with love and kindness that God sees it. God will call me and say, well done, good and faithful servant one day. The pressure is off when we see life through yeah. the lens of scripture in that way where this is not about me because I can lose all of this in a blink of an eye. And I see that. I witness that every single day. So it keeps me humble. I think it's hard for us when we live in this world of social media to be humble, but to celebrate other people who are succeeding. And so for me, what I like to do is like when I see other people succeed, I'm not like, man, I hope he doesn't mess up. I'm like praying for them to stay humble. Yeah, I really am. When I see other Christian men and women that are growing in their influence, that are doing things and people in the secular world, people in the world are seeing them and following them. I'm like, this is good, but they, I don't want to idolize them and cling on to them and be like, okay, Absolutely. you know, they're everything. And I see that happen so much. And it, it, it just like frustrates me because I'm like, anytime a celebrity is just like, says the name of Jesus, all these Christians like, oh yes, now he's our hero. And I'm like, now he's going to mess up. And all these people are going to be like, look, you know, it's the pattern that we see continually. I pray for them because that life is so hard. But at the same time, I have to know, like, cause it's easy for me to sit in comparison and be like, oh, Oh my gosh, and be jealous and talk ill of them. But to know that God is opening doors for them, for other people yeah. to know Jesus in a way that I can never reach them. So it's good. I want them to be faithful. I want them to stay strong and celebrate them not that way. And not just simply like, oh my gosh, share their stuff and follow them and rally. And they're the new, you know, celebrity icon of Christianity. Jesus is yes. the only one. We don't need to keep making idols of whoever is going to sing with the next, you know, Justin Bieber or whatever. <laughs> I knew Justin Bieber was going to be brought up. Yes. You know, it just frustrates me. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, just... Yes. Yeah. I just am so thankful for the book because this is you allowing these conversations to circulate that I don't know if we would have been aware to have had these conversations through a biblical view. And what I love so much is that as I read the book is that it didn't point me towards looking at other women around me. It pointed me straight to Jesus because you and how it's laid out is that you have your friends reading, going back to the word, putting you in the space of where you were when you originally wrote the paper where you were able to see how women worked alongside in partnership with Jesus, with the gospel, with the disciples. It's amazing. And I think that's so interesting too, that we can read the Bible in topics that if you want to learn about money, read the book to find what God says about money. If you want to read about what it says about relationship and love and marriage and whatever, read through that. You chose women 
in. And it was immediate of how God pours out his love for his female daughter, well, his female daughters, but his daughters, you know, <laughs> like he pours out his love for his daughters and that. Yeah. What's been the joy that when you get to have these conversations, like what's been an unexpected surprise that you had in sharing it? My greatest joy has been hearing from moms how their younger daughters, they're like reading together and studying scripture. I think mm-hmm. oftentimes we don't talk enough about the women in the Bible. We talk a lot about men, like even my daughter, who my husband is a lead pastor at our church. She know the story of, you know, Ruth, but she would know the story of David, you know, and like, it's a Joseph. And so I wanted to highlight that it's kind of like going back to what my mom said. If you don't see someone represented that is like you, you will never aspire or dream to be that person. If we never talk about women who are mentioned by name in the Bible or women in the Bible general, our daughters will be like, well, the Bible has nothing to do with me. And so I have to show her, show my daughter, show other women, you're represented in here. Jesus cares about you. Jesus cares about your name, right? Part of the redemption story, part of Jesus coming to this world and talking to women is to redeem the identity of women where the Jewish people would wake up every day and said, thank you, God, for not making me a woman or a dog. God is like, Jesus comes in and walks with them. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm going to actually have to go through Samaria and wait at a well on a hot day because I'm going to talk to this woman who is a different race that you don't like and you don't understand. I'm going to sit with her. So if we think the Bible doesn't address racism, it sure does. If if we don't think that Jesus cares about women, yes, he does. You just have to read scripture. I think a lot of times we stick with traditions and like we hear one verse and look at an Instagram person and we think that's it. But if we study God's word for ourselves and sit under people who are teaching sound doctrine and sound theology, then we can understand it as a whole in context, the Old Testament and the New Testament, at the heart of Jesus and the heart of God for each of us. And, and that's the cool thing about Christianity. The main thing is that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us to illuminate the truth of scripture to us is the greatest gift that we have, that we have Jesus telling us. And we for so long have been people who just sit and just wait for somebody else to regurgitate their view and their opinion and traditions. And God's like, no, 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 I've revealed it to you. That's why I put the Holy Spirit inside of you, not just so that you can feel good, not just so that you you speak in tongues so you can speak in tongues, but it is so that you can understand the hidden truth in scripture for yourself. I could talk to you about this all day because I have like so many questions and I, you would be like so awesome with like giving me your time. Do you care if I ask you just a few more questions? Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. This is one, and I didn't prepare you for this. So if you don't want to answer, you don't have to. But I was just thinking we've been, you were naming like, you know, the Samaritan woman who honestly, like she doesn't have a name. Mm -hmm. And I'm so curious with the research and work that you've done. And when I present this question, this is not me saying the Bible could have done it better. What are your thoughts about the females in the Bible who were left Mm -hmm. at the woman with the issue of blood, the widow with who gave her coins, the woman who poured the perfume on the feet of Jesus. They're nameless. What is your thoughts about that? 
it's hard for our society and culture to understand that. But I think the key is that Jesus saw them. Yeah. It, it was important enough to be in scripture and that we have to be okay with being part of the story and not being the hero of the story. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Yes. Wow. Oh, it's so hard for us because I'm like, I want my name in lights. Like I, I want, I want to be uh-huh. mentioned. If you're going to read me, I want, I want them to know that I said that. And it's so hard for us to be the unnamed person. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the person that Jesus talks to the longest recorded conversation, right, is unnamed. It should put us in ease. Like my name doesn't have to be in lights. Right. That person doesn't have to recognize me from stage. Because Jesus sees me and he cares about me. He waited on me. He talked to me. He made a way for me. That is what I see when I read that. That it doesn't have to, Mm -hmm. my name doesn't have to be mentioned in the world's standards for me to be important and be seen by God. I can be a background person in the story of Jesus and Jesus can be the hero every single day. And I'm happy and content with that. Oh my gosh. I'd never even thought of that. Cause I always think I just associate it with being, oh, well, they're not as famous or they weren't as important. That was a lie and a stereotype that I think I had. They were the ones who were willing to surrender their status. Yeah. Like that's incredible. The first person that Jesus reveals to that he is the Messiah is not the disciples. It's a Samaritan woman. It is a woman that no one else cared for. They probably didn't know her name either. He says, this is who I am. This is my name. And that's what matters in the story. I am the hero. We have to know that every single day, five years from now, someone can find Jesus and accept Jesus and live into the salvation because of a podcast message. They might never remember your name. Oh, and I hope they don't. I really don't. I want them to remember Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But they're like, man, but I remember that's the moment I realized that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior. Isn't that the most important thing? That's why we do all we do is because we want that for friends. Exactly. Well, you're doing that. I mean, you just like encourage me. I feel fired up after talking with you, but I felt that way also when I like watched your videos on YouTube. So I just hope that all of our friends go connect with you. Read. I am not the tagline of that is break free from stereotypes and become the woman God made you to be like, who wouldn't want that? Is there anything that you're excited for this upcoming year? Like, are you working on a new book or any projects or what can we be excited for? So right now I am learning to rest. I'm learning to rest in God. And that's really hard for me. That's a technique. Yes. I am a doer and God's just like, no, what's more important. And I write about this. The last chapter in my book is about Mary and Martha. Yep. And I long to be like Mary and just sit at the feet of Jesus because Jesus says, this is better. And I'm trying to learn that this is better. Mm, Wow. Oh my goodness. No wonder you are literally the girl for the job that you are doing like exactly what you're doing. And also I will say this, and this is more than one conversation, but I want you to come back to the podcast because I want to talk with you sometime about Rahab. I've been in the book of Joshua and I've had so many cool insights about her. And then another thing is I want our friends to go and on Instagram, and I'm going to put this in the show notes, but you killed it talking about the escalator and where God has you moving. Our mutual friend, Courtney Hope shared that. And that's just like one example of how God's using like your creativity, your speaking words of knowledge that we know are coming straight from him and and encouraging all of us. I just want to thank you so much for what you're doing. I really do believe when we pour into one person, male or female, 
that it has the power to change a generation. And you're living proof of that. Like your story, like starting back in Kerala, India, it's incredible. If I could give you a standing ovation at this moment, I would. Oh, you're the sweetest. I feel like I've had many moments <laughs> in my life where I just needed someone to come alongside me and to say, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter what your um, gender is. It doesn't matter what hometown you're from. But when God called you to say something and called you to do something, like he's the only one you have to answer to. Yes, that's it. And it's because of people like you who are paving the way for us and encouraging us and discipling us. I've got to have to have you back, Simi. The final question we always ask, where is God still with you? Oh my goodness. That is such a good question. And so in this season where I am learning to rest, I think God is showing me he is still with me in the mundane. I think oftentimes Mm -hmm. I have seen God with me in the big moments, the transformation of my dad's life when God opened doors for me, when he answered prayers when I'm standing on the stage doing big things that when I release my book I'm like God is with me God is with me yes God, God is showing me now that you know he is with me right now in the mundane the everyday the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning he's giving me 24 hours to see him 24 hours in a day for me to witness all the beautiful things with my eyes that he has created. And he has given me 365 days a year to see what he's doing in my life and what he's doing in the world around me and that he is still with me. In Psalm 139, it says, I go to sleep and I wake up and I am still with you. That's what the podcast is based on is Psalms 139, 18. I've never had someone organically come to that. (laughs) That is what we say. That is where the idea for the show came from. So that's beautiful. Oh my gosh. I think it's important to know and remember that it's not just God is with those people because I think we think that like, oh, they're favored. God is with them. That's why God is opening doors for them. That's why they got the baby. That's why they got the husband. That's why they got the big house. That's why they got the job. No, no, no. God is with you. If you become more sensitive to his presence, if you become more aware of God working in your life, you will see that he is with you Mm. right now, today, sitting home as you're studying, he's with you. God gives us opportunity to see that if we would only open our eyes and ears to see his presence and hear his voice. I will never forget this moment that you organically brought up that verse. Anyway, that's amazing. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I'm going to have to have you back. And also our friends, you're in Oklahoma City, right? Yes. Okay, Oklahoma City people, New Life Bible Church. Yes. So thankful for our local pastors. If you're in Oklahoma City, I hope they go find you guys. Yes, we would love that. Thank you so much for having me. I am so honored and really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share my story and God's word with your people. So thank you. Well, you have a Wonder Woman backpack in your background. And so I'm like, you are, you're just the Wonder Woman right now. I just love That's it. my daughter's lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> it's cute. I would carry that myself. Can you believe that she is directly connected to the Apostle Thomas from the Bible? As you heard, I fanned over that a little too hard. Unashamed, I loved it, and it was so much fun hearing Simi's heart. My hope for you is to grab a copy of I Am Not alongside your Bible, pair them together following I Am Not as a helpful resource. I loved reading through this book during the summer. I hope it is on your coffee table, your kitchen table, 
table, your office desk, wherever, to remind you that you are not a cliche. You are more than a subgroup. You are empowered and supported by the almighty, the great I am, who does not see you as a stereotype, but loves you dearly. If you would like to connect with Simi, you can find her on Instagram. Her handle is Simi John, and her website is SimiJohn.tv. There you can find all of the links for her YouTube videos. And of course, all of this information will be on my website where you can find the official show notes for this episode at ColeyBrowning.com. If you need me, I would love to connect with you, pray with you, encourage you, partner with you in any way that I can. And I appreciate every single one of you for making time to hang out with me every week on the podcast. Until next Tuesday, be bold, be brave, be you. And remember that he is still with you.